day we'll see him face to face. He's coming back very soon. I want to be ready. When this passing world is over, we will see.
together this simple hymn seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you found when we seek you and when we seek you with all of our heart we pray that we would do that today lord that we would be just focused so focused on on what you have for us that we would let nothing else fill our heart because nothing can fill our hearts like you do you have given us a mission a goal together as the family of god and everything else is secondary we know that you will provide for our needs according to your riches and glory And that we will reap a harvest if we do not give up those things that we're doing that are good, Lord. We pray today that we would find a new fervor for the gospel, for the good news of Jesus Christ, the saving grace that is above our complete understanding. We ask that your Holy Spirit would lead and guide and direct us today. We know that you are in this place here and you are speaking to hearts You're speaking to minds. You are giving vision to us, Lord. We pray that we would rely on you fully because we have nowhere else we can stand. But in the name, the beautiful name of Jesus, in his name we pray.
are called to praise God with our voice and with our instruments and talents that he has blessed us with. And I know Brother Aaron would like for me to share that there's still room in the orchestra if you would like to be a part. So I praise God. And you know, that was a really, that that hymn that we sang right there at the end, Aaron, uh, quoting Matthew 6, I believe. I don't know, have we sang that before? That was awesome. We need to sing that. I, I, I really enjoyed that, where it just quotes God's word that says, Seek ye first his righteousness. All the other things will be added unto you. Well, today we're going to continue in the Beatitudes, starting the Sermon on the Mount for the last couple of weeks. We've taken one each week. So we are in our fourth week of the Beatitudes, which means we're on our fourth Beatitude. Now, let me just remind you that when we look at the Beatitudes, these are things that come forth from a child of God, one who is in Christ Jesus. This is not something that you work up in your own ability or own power or own strength. That's called legalism, and you become a very religious person, but yet you have no relationship with Christ. The being in Christ comes before the doing in Christ. I've said that every week. I'm going to say it again. The being in Christ comes before the doing in Christ. So when you hear today's message, recognize that the only way that this comes forth from our life is when we are in Christ Jesus, when we are born again. So let's pick up in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to read verse 6 today. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word, I pray that you would give us eyes to see what you are speaking and and ears to hear. And Lord, may we place this into our life. Holy Spirit, be our tutor and our guide as we look today at your holy word. And Father, I pray that you would place me on the front row and just let me hear what you are speaking as well and place it into my life as well. Now, Father, we love you, we praise you, and we give you all glory, for it's in your name, the name above all names, the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. All right, so there is a new word out that you may have heard, and it's called being hangry. How many of y'all have heard about being hangry? All right, how many in the room are hangry right now? Good. Oh, a few people. So this new word that our society has come up with is putting together being hungry and being angry. And so it's kind of like when you're hungry and you're really longing for some food, it begins to change uh, your personality. It begins to change how your emotions and, and you get angry. So they call it hangry. Now, We must recognize that when you are truly hungering and desiring something, it will change how you act. It will cause you to act differently. Today we're going to look in Matthew chapter 5 and we're going to see how Jesus speaks about hungering and thirsting for something. We're going to break it into three segments. First, hunger and thirst. Then what are we to hunger and thirst for? That's righteousness. And then we will look at what that brings about, the reward, which is being satisfied. The first thing we want to see in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, is that we are called to hunger and thirst. Now, Jesus is using everyday language. For some of you, you say, David, I fully understand what it means to hunger and thirst because I have set through your message before. He's using language for us to grasp, for us to understand. 
You know, as I began to think about hungering and thirsting, I started thinking about just times in my life where maybe I had been on a fast or I had been in a location where there just wasn't food that I could eat and how hungry I I was. But I began to think, and the Lord brought back to my mind a story of a former member of Luke 4.18, and I only say former because he has now passed away and he is with Christ for all eternity. And he fully understood what it meant to hunger and thirst. Many of you may remember Bob Van Beeman. Bob Van Beeman was a member here at Luke 418. His wife, Marilyn, who has now moved to Florida, and I got to talk to her this week as I was preparing this message, and she was just so uh, honored and excited that that I was going to share about Bob's story. But Bob grew up in uh, Holland during the time that the Nazis began to take over. And they began to to bomb out certain areas. And he was 12 years old at the time. And they began to not only just bomb the areas, but they also began to put uh, an idea in place of mass starvation. What they wanted to do was give just the bare minimal to where people ultimately were starving to the place of even death. Now, he lived in Rotterdam, and as a child, he truly understood what it meant to starve and to hunger. His dad or his parents put him on a boat to escape to some of the farmlands to try to find some food for him. I actually have an article written by uh, someone speaking of his story, and this is in his own words. He says, The rations amounted to nothing. At first... We ate an average of two cats a week. Now, if you're a cat lover, you can change that word to dogs. Until there was no more to be found anywhere. He said, however, there were farmers that were kind. And they allowed us to glean from some of their places, from some of their fields. Church, this was a man who truly understood starvation, hunger, and thirst. And he says in his article, he says, I'll never forget that day as I saw this plane and these parachutes starting to fall. And it was the 82nd Airborne. And the 82nd Airborne came in and he was almost, he almost died of starvation. But as they landed in that area, they were able to come and to give him physical salvation. And how did they do that? By giving him the food that he needed. I'll never forget sitting and talking with Bob many times. He sat right here. And he would tell me how much he loved God's word and that he would not let even somebody put God's word on the ground because he knows what it means to starve. He knows what it means to hunger and to thirst. And when he realized that we're called to hunger and thirst, not just for physical food, but for spiritual food, and that that was God's holy word, he held tight onto it just as he did that day when he saw the salvation physically by the 82nd Airborne. Now, Jesus is calling us not to hunger for food, physical food, but he's calling us to hunger for something greater. And that is righteousness. 
In Matthew chapter 4, we see Jesus in, uh, being, the, uh, being tempted. And he said to Satan, he said, Man does not live by bread alone, Matthew 4, 4. But on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Church, we recognize here that Jesus is calling us to hunger and to thirst. The same longing that you will have for lunch today or dinner today. The same longing that Bob had just to sustain life. God is calling us to do the same spiritually. The second thing that we see here is what are we called to hunger and thirst for? We must hunger and thirst for the right thing. Now, we see there, it's very simple, the right thing is righteousness. But we must realize that it's easy for us to hunger and thirst for many other things. All right, let me give you an example. If I placed out here, you're hungry, and I placed out a a, a dozen donuts, but then I also had a steak meal, okay? It would be easy for some of us to run over to the donuts. Why? Because it's tempting, Why? Because it's full of sugar. Why? Because we know that it would be very tasty to have. But what happens with the donuts? It doesn't truly solve the problem of the hunger and thirst that you have. Unless you eat of the meat, the steak, the potatoes, the the, uh, vegetables, children, and the fruits. Unless you're eating of this, what happens? But you're only taking care of symptoms and not dealing with the real problem. I'll give you another example of that. I went to the doctor a couple years back and I told him the symptoms I was having. And I was like, okay, I'm sure he's just going to give me something for the symptoms. And my doctor, being a good doctor, said, all right, I can fix the symptoms, but if we don't get to the root of the issue, then we're not really dealing with anything. And so my doctor, being a good doctor, said, let's get to the root of the issue because if we deal with the root issue, then we'll deal with the symptoms. But see, oftentimes we begin to hunger and thirst for other things than righteousness, only trying to fulfill the symptoms and meet the symptoms' needs, and we're missing the root of the problem. So let's look at things that we hunger and thirst for other than righteousness. Many times in our life, We try to and attempt to satisfy ourselves with other things in God's holy word. For some of us, we try to, we hunger and we thirst for happiness. We're looking for happiness all around, but here's the problem. It's in a happenstance. It only happens here and there, but it's not a constant true joy. For some of us, we hunger and thirst for power. For some of us, we hunger and thirst for wealth and riches. For some of us, we hunger and thirst for knowledge. For some of us, we hunger and thirst for protection and provision. For some of us, we hunger and thirst for love slash relationships. Some of us hunger and thirst for acceptance. Students, some of us hunger and thirst for popularity. What do you long for? What is something that you are constantly thinking about. Will any of these other than righteousness in God's holy word truly satisfy you? But see, the enemy deceives us. And some in the room truly believe that there are things that will satisfy us. A new car, wealth, uh, riches, power, knowledge. If I just get this, then I'll be okay. If I just get this, then people will accept me. And we begin to believe this lie from the enemy. 
And you say, why would the enemy lie about that? Well, he's the father of all lies. And he wants to do anything he can to stop you from finding true joy, true peace in Christ. Jesus tells us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. But look at the order of this. This is so interesting. It says, blessed or happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. If you hunger and thirst for happiness, you'll never be satisfied. Church, if you hunger and thirst for blessings, you will not be satisfied. It's only until you put it in its proper order in the scripture that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness that you'll truly be satisfied. Let me take this just a step further. Students, y'all are just now getting home from summer camp. Now, when I was a student many years ago, I remember what people called the camp high. Man, it was incredible. You got away from all the uh, temptations from home, which we didn't have cell phones and stuff when I was your age, except for emergencies. You got away from all the distractions and the TV shows and all these different things, and you get there, and it's just you and God, and I'm telling you, it's incredible. But what happens sometimes is when you come back to real life here, you begin to, to, to hunger and thirst for the camp experience. And if you hunger and thirst for the camp experience, you'll never be satisfied. See, so often students tell me when I was in youth ministry, David, I just, I just need to go back to camp where, where, so I can have a fresh a, a renewal with God. And I tell them all the time, you can have that right here. You've got a hunger and thirst for righteousness, not the experience. But adults, you know, we can hunger and thirst for experiences of our past. That's not to negate the things that have happened in our past. Brother Fred told me over and over about the revival that took place in the 80s. And that was incredible. But he also told me, David, if we get fixated on trying to bring back the revival from the 80s, we're going to miss what God is doing today. If we hunger and thirst for past experiences, then we're not going to be satisfied in Christ. Some people even hunger and thirst for emotion. For emotion. And can I tell you that if you hunger and thirst for emotion, an emotional experience, then you will not be satisfied. The only way to be satisfied is when you hunger and thirst for the right thing. And that is the righteousness of God. Church. Righteousness. It's Webster's Dictionary says it's acting in accord with divine or moral law, free from guilt or sin, morally right or justifiable, justification. But in this verse, it means more than just being justified. It means Christ-like or sanctification. Well, what is the moral righteous the, the, the righteous standing that we have. What's the, the plumb line that we have? We have it in God's holy word. It's him. It's God. And it says that he is holy. He says that he is perfect. It says that he sets the standard and it's his holiness. 
So when we say, what are we called to hunger and thirst for? We're called to hunger and thirst for the, the, to be Christ-like, to follow Him, to have His righteousness upon us, to reflect His image and His character. And church, we cannot do that in our own power and our own ability. Praise God that through His Son, He gave us the righteousness of Christ. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus. Church, this is the great exchange. The great exchange. We take our sin... God takes our sin, that which separates us from holy God, that which when we stand before God, if he looked and saw our sin, he would say that our righteousness is but filthy rags. And he takes that sin and he placed it upon his son Jesus on the cross. And he took the righteousness of his son and he said, I'm going to clothe you in my son's righteousness. Church, it's a great exchange. We can't do that. But God did this through His Son, Jesus. He tells us in the book of Romans, if you walk to the Romans road, that it's in His love that He demonstrated, that that, that He gave His Son to die on the cross for you and for me. And it's in that, it's in that, that, that our sin is placed upon Christ on the cross and His righteousness clothes us. I shared with you last week, when we stand before the holiness of God one day, do we recognize that the only way that we'll be able to stand is if we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. See, this hungering and thirst for righteousness, it happens at salvation. But we're called to continue to hunger and thirst in this sanctification process. The longing of the new self to be shown through us. The longing for the fruit of the Spirit to come forth in us. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 through 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Do you hunger and thirst for that to come forth through you? Joy. Do you hunger and thirst for joy to be what's evident in your life? Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do you hunger and thirst for the righteousness of Christ to be shown in and through you? Now, as I've told you many times, we can't do that in our own power. John 15, 5 tells us, He who abides in Christ will bear much fruit. But he who does not abide can do nothing. But there's a problem here, a paradox here, that there still requires action on our part. Well, what's that action? All right, so let me stop here and say this. If, if you're hungering and thirsting for food, and I went somewhere in a kitchen that we don't have here, we have something back there, and I put together this really nice food, and I put it before you, and you just looked at it, and you just looked at it, And you just looked at it. And eventually you said, thank you so much for inviting me for dinner, David. Have a great night. Would you be satisfied? Would the hunger and the thirst be removed? No. Church, we must recognize that there is an action on our part. And that action is what I've been sharing over and over. That we abide. That we dwell. That we delight in God's holy word. Let me just remind you what Jesus said. For it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word 
that comes forth from the mouth of God. Church, if you just sit there and say, I'm a Christian, so uh, that's going to quench my hunger and thirsting for righteousness. I'm a Christian. I'm a member of Luke 418 Fellowship. I tithe and I come twice a month or twice a year or sometimes. That's not going to satisfy you. What's going to satisfy you is when you feast on God's Word. When you abide and dwell in His Word and let it wash over you and come forth through you. Jeremiah understood it in Jeremiah 15, 16, one of my favorite passages. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and a delight for my heart. For I have been called by your name. Church, you have God's holy word at home. Are you feasting upon God's holy word? Jeremiah said, I ate them indicating that he placed them inside of his heart, in his life. He meditated on them. He uh, dedicated his time to God's word, so that would be what would satisfy him. Ezekiel chapter 3, 1 through 3. Then he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat the scroll. Go, speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he fed me this scroll. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your stomach and be filled and fill your body with this scroll which I am giving you. I ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. You say, David, that's really strange. I'm not suggesting you go home and literally eat the pages of the Bible. But what I'm telling you is that when you dive into God's Word, meditate on it, delight yourself, abide in it, it's going to be like honey to your lips. Now, if you don't like honey, you can change that to barbecue sauce. It goes on throughout the scripture. In 1 Peter, he talks about how uh, we need to, to uh, long for pure milk of the word so that we may grow in respects of salvation. In Hebrews 5, it talks about, but solid food is for the mature. Church, Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, I believe is, is kind of giving a summarization of this whole understanding. He says, only be strong, be very courageous, be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commands you. Do not turn from it to the left or to the right so that you may have success. And then here he tells you how. It says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Church, if you're truly hungering and thirsting for righteousness, we're called to pick up this feast and to dive into it. To let it wash over us. To hide it in our hearts so that we would not sin against thee. To let his word become a delight. To let his word become the plumb line for our life. To let his word be what comes forth from us because it's the only thing that's going to transform people's lives. Are you hungering and thirsting for righteousness? If not, then you need to ask God to change your appetite. You need to ask God to change your appetite. You need to ask God to change your appetite to holiness. And that requires also you disciplining yourself for the purpose of godliness. 
several years back, the Lord put on my heart to fast. And in that fasting, He didn't tell me to take away food. He told me to take away sugar. All sugar except for natural sugar. Can I tell you that after a day in, I was struggling. Like crying. Like it was bad. I did not realize how much your body begins to long for that sugar. And so like literally I would come home from, from studying here and, and counseling and all of this during the week and I would come home and I'd look at my wife and kids and say, I'm going to bed. And I would just crawl in the bed and say, Lord, take this headache and this pain away. But after about six, seven days, food tasted better. I felt better. I didn't have those longings and those pains any longer. Church, I tell you that to tell you that when you ask God to remove uh, your appetite for other things and to place your appetite upon the holiness of God and His righteousness, it's going to be painful in your flesh. Because it's going to require you to remove sin out of your life. It's going to require you to, to change your habits. When you get up in the morning, when you lay down at night, this will be the meditation of your heart instead of some TV show or different things. Church, it's tough. But it's worth every moment of it because this is life and death for us. To be in God's Word. To hunger and thirst for His Word for righteousness. But when you ask God to change your appetite, He also may change some things in your life that may not seem like they're sin. Let me give you an example. My mom used to use this, this saying back in the day. Now David, don't, don't remove or don't mess up your appetite. Don't spoil, that's the word I was looking for, your appetite. Anybody ever said that to your kids? Don't spoil your appetite. Well, there may be things in our life that God shows us that spoil in our appetite. There may be things in our life that's not necessarily sin, but God's saying that it is spoiling your appetite for righteousness. I'll give you a few. Maybe possibly the news. You may actually be hungering and thirsting for the news. And if you turn the news on and you can't turn it off for five hours later when they tell you the same thing every 15 minutes. And I'm not trying to be mean to anybody. I'm just telling you the truth. That these are things that will spoil our appetite. If I spend five hours hearing all about the pains of this world and I'm not in God's holy word, let me tell you, I'm going to be sad and depressed. It may be social media. You say, David, that's not a bad thing. I just told you, it's things that may not be a bad thing, but yet it's spoiling your appetite for righteousness, for the Word. It may be busyness. I love what one brother in Christ says here, is that busyness is being under Satan's yoke. And the reason he says that is because the busier you are, the less you're going to have time to get in God's Word. Can I just remind you of a message that was preached years ago here at Luke 4.18? God is the one who gave us 24 hours in a day. If you say at the end of the day that you could need more time to get done what I was supposed to get done today, then are we truly listening and walking according to God's word of what we're called to do today? Because why would God give you more to do in 24 hours than the time that he's allotted you to have? It could also mean that we wasted time. 
Now, church, I want to be very careful here. Because for some of us in this room, you may be saying, oh, David, you're right. I don't need to be on the news. David, you're right. No social media. David, I could name 15 things that are spoiling my appetite. And not only do I not need to be on this, but nobody else needs to be. Church, God's not calling you to be a super Christian here. He's not calling you to say, well, this is what spoils my appetite, so therefore the rest of the body of Christ needs to get on board. What I'm saying here is that if you start to create laws and regulations of how to seek God's righteousness, you're becoming just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So when the Lord shows you areas that may spoil your appetite for righteousness, what you need to do is say, thank you, Lord, and I'm going to place this into my life. You have given me this for a purpose, for a reason. It's to discipline myself for the purpose of godliness. It's that my appetite would hunger and thirst for righteousness. Church, do you hunger and thirst? For righteousness? Do you hunger and thirst to be Christ-like? Do you hunger and thirst for the fruit of the Spirit to come forth from your life? Because if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, there's a reward. You will be satisfied. You will be satisfied. Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Church, when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, when you hunger and thirst for for Christ, when you hunger and thirst for the Christ-likeness, the Christ-life, the new self, you shall be satisfied. Psalm 119, 103. By the way, go back and read Psalm 119. It is the longest chapter in the Bible, but how many times does it say that the Word revives you? The Word revives you. It revives you. If you're really hungry and really thirsty, and then you eat a good meal, you feel revived, don't you? But look at Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste? Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Do you realize that when you begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness, it's not that you have to do these things, it's that you want to do these things because God's word has become like honey to your lips. Church, I I think there's three ways that we see satisfaction or being satisfied. First, we see it instantly at salvation. We see it instantly at salvation. Church, if you're not satisfied in the fact that you once were dead and now you're alive, you may need to hear the gospel right now. Think about it for a moment. In that moment, you were destined to hell and now you have the righteousness of Christ placed upon you and you will be able to stand before the holiness of God. You now have a purpose in life that is satisfying to my soul because my soul has been longing for that. But then, there's being satisfied through sanctification. It's that continual process of hungering and thirsting for righteousness and allowing Christ to wash over and fill us daily. Church, how many times do you eat a day? Some people one time, some people two, some people three. If you go to the gym a lot, they say you're supposed to eat like six times a day, just small portions. haven't quite figured that one out. 
But it's the same on a spiritual level during this time of sanctification. From the point of salvation to the point that we breathe our last, there is a constant hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And God is continually satisfying our soul with the Holy Spirit of promise. I would venture to say many of the students coming back from camp would say that their soul has been so satisfied by dwelling on, abiding in, and delighting in God. But tomorrow, if you don't hunger and thirst for righteousness, you'll find yourself hungry again. So we see that God satisfies us through salvation, through sanctification. But praise God, there's a finalization of this and it's called glorification. And there's a day coming where we will no longer hunger and no longer thirst. It says this in Revelation 7, verse 16 to 17. They will hunger no more, nor thirst any more, uh, nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd and will guide them to springs of water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Church, there's a day coming where this hunger and thirst will be fully satisfied. And it's going to be fully satisfied because we are constantly focused on the one who satisfies us. We're going to be with Christ for all eternity. And we're going to be with those around the throne. Brother Fred and Brother Ed and all those who have gone. And we're going to be singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And we're going to be so satisfied for all eternity. Church. I told you at the beginning that there's a new word out called hangry. Can I tell you, there's a lot of people in this world who are hangry spiritually. There's a lot of people in this world who are hungering and thirsting for something that they cannot find. And the only way that they will be satisfied is in Christ Jesus. I shared the story of Bob, Bob Van Beeman. He was so physically hungry that he almost died until he saw the 82nd Airborne parachuting out. He said, I want everybody to know that I was saved twice. I was saved physically by the Americans on the 82nd Airborne, and I was saved spiritually by Jesus Christ. But because he saw them at 12 years old when he was dying from hunger, he said, I'm going to go. And be part of the 82nd Airborne. He did everything he could to get to America. And when he got to America and time had, he had the time that he needed, he joined the 82nd Airborne. You know why he joined the 82nd Airborne? Because they saved his life and he wanted to do the same. Church, if we're truly satisfied in Christ, if we are truly satisfied in Christ, then we're going to take Christ to the world. But if we're not truly satisfied in Christ, we're going to be continually seeking the things of this world and we're going to be in pain and suffering and we're going to be going through what the enemy says comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But when we're satisfied in Christ, we take that to the world for them to taste and see that the Lord is good. Just like Bob joining the 82nd Airborne. Because his life was saved through them. Will we too take to the world 
but one thing that will satisfy them. And that's Christ. And Christ alone. What do you hunger and thirst for, church? I love this message because I love this word. And I can't get enough of it. And I pray that you too would hunger and thirst for righteousness. That you would take and eat. That you would abide, dwell, delight in God's holy word and let it satisfy you not just today, but every day. So that we can take to the world the one thing that will satisfy them.